You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for another recap of Survivor Season 33 Game Changers. And unfortunately, our regular host, Ben Waterworth, is on vacation or assignment or covering some type of Formula One racing for the qualifying lap or one of those other shows. But I am here to fill a spot. I am Colin, and I'm happy to be joined today by two guests, old friends of the Survivor family in the Oz Network, and uh, both will be making their first appearance here on the Oz Network, but we're very familiar with both of them. We first want to welcome back to the show for longtime listeners of the old Survivor Oz show, uh, Survivor Cook Island Season 13 contestant Billy Garcia. Billy, thanks for appearing here on the Oz Network for the first time. Hey, thanks for having me on. Of course, Billy has always been one of our most entertaining guests and one of our most entertaining contributors from the old Survivor Oz show we used to do is none other than former Ozlet of the Year finalist, Anthony Rossi. Rossi, how did you make your way back here to discuss Survivor with us on the Oz Network? Uh, I dug my way through all the other podcasts to make my way here. And I should say, you managed to make it on here before two of our other hosts, Noah and Nick. So how did that happen? You know, they're late, so they get a mark against them. Executive call, you've officially been promoted. You're now taking Noah's place on the show. Uh, We are here, of course, to talk about episode three, uh, including technically, I guess, the fourth boot of Game Changers. And this was a huge episode, uh, particularly the Tribal Council, which is unlike anything we've ever seen before. So we have to talk about this, and we're going to kind of go around and get some opinions. We're going to start, of course, with Billy. Uh, Being this is the first time you've been on the show this season, just start by telling us how you're finding Season 33 so far as a whole. How are you liking Game Changers? Um, Game Changers this season, I think the producers have gone out of their way to to uh, basically turn this season into... uh, an act of striking a hornet's nest with a stick. Um, that's pretty much what they're doing, where they're trying to just uh, stir stir the hornet's nets up and see what happens, see see, see the, the mayhem ensue. And uh, so far, mission accomplished. Rossi, why don't you go ahead and tell us what you've been thinking about Game Changer so far? Uh, I think Billy brought up an interesting point. They're definitely throwing anything and everything at the wall and seeing what sticks and what's good and what's successful and if it's not it's just going to be an all-star season so no many not many people will complain i don't think but i'm surprised that i'm enjoying it as much and there are a lot of people playing that i didn't think i would enjoy or i wasn't initially interested in seeing them again but they've definitely refined their games and it's good to see those people change and i'm really enjoying those players instead of some of the people i thought i would really enjoy well, we'll have to get some of those names as we go throughout the show here. Um, Rossi, I know that we talked a bit about the uh, the season before it happened. Billy, I think, well, most fans have kind of voiced a lot of skepticism about this season before it even started. I don't think there were a lot of people that excited about the cast they'd assembled, but before the season started, when you saw the cast that they'd assembled, uh, what were you thinking at that point? Were you thinking that this would live up to be an all-star season? Were you thinking maybe it was a little bit too much rehash on some of the people? No, you, you know, uh, if they had called it all-stars, I, you know, I, I, I just thought to myself, all right, it's, you know, uh, people that, uh, that uh, did enough, whether we saw it in the edit or not, that warranted a return but they called it game changers and so that kind of skewed my perception of the cat uh coming into the season 
Because if you're going to call them game changers, then that means they did something either to change their own game or to change the course of the way the game was going in their season. And, uh, you know, you bring you bring people back, like like Caleb, for example, like, all right, he's a medevac, <laughs> you know. What, what do they say? Because he, he couldn't stay in the game that changed the course of the game of his season? Ah, that's kind of, you know, grasping at straws there. So I, I find myself, you know, looking at certain cast members differently because of the name of the season and the, and the twist of the season. They should have called it something else, in my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree. And it was very awkward last week when Propes, I mean, the whole season he's been trying to sell this as game changers and maybe twisting certain things. Like you said, you know, they changed their own game. Well, almost everybody, if they stuck around more than a few episodes, if they survived one tribal council, they did something to change their game. And that's what we're getting a lot of is like Propes saying, Troyzan, you know, he won immunity and kept himself in the game. Like that was one episode. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think the game. You know what, Colin? You don't even have to survive that one episode to say you're a game changer. You could have totally belly flopped, and that could have been what, what the change, what the big change was. That if you'd have mm -hmm. kept your mouth shut, you'd have been fine. But you opened your mouth, and now the game changing route. So you know, <laughs> it's such a ridiculous name for a season that it, it just, to me, it, it changed. I think it negatively, negatively impacted my perception of the players in, in the season. Well, yeah, I mean, it, you know, the, one of the first things I thought of, and I can't remember who it was this week where Propes was again saying, you know, this is how the person changed the game. And it was like, well, that's something that so many players have done. And knowing we had you on the show, I was thinking, here's a guy who survived, you know, no tribal councils. And, or did you survive one? No, it was... Uh, we won immunity our first go, uh, uh, the first immunity. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, so as far as actual visits to tribal council, you didn't survive one, but you could make an argument for you as a game changer and that you were the first one who went out there and said, I'm going against my entire tribe, like very vocally. And nobody, I mean, the closest we had seen to that was Xi'an in Thailand and she wasn't doing it intentionally. I mean, you could have been on this season and there would have been less arguments about Billy as a game changer than we're getting with some of these other people. Uh, you know, no argument here for that. Uh, if you look at if, if you look at the uh, um, the recap episode of my season, I was the first guy to to um, basically make a deal with women, all women, and then make a deal with all men. The first guy to ever do that, the first player to ever do that, and I did it in the same episode. So, uh, um, yeah, so I, I definitely did more than than a few of these people, Caleb, and even Haley. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out what. How did she change the game? Uh, she, she, you know what? She, she, she looked good in a bikini, but that's not new. <laughs> Rossi, I can't remember. Were you a Haley fan? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Can you can you make the argument for her as a game changer, or are you on board with that? You know, oh, it's okay to have her back, but can we call her a game changer? I'm very hit or miss on the term game changer, but then I think that's happened in every season with a returning player it's the question of do they really fit the mold are all these people favorites are all these people heroes so i think it's tough to really you're never going to have a cast where everyone's agreeing that they're the whatever the title is mm -hmm. however i do think that it's important to have this mix of players so in a sense i can see why people like Haley and caleb and sarah lacina and some of those other people that may not be the most alpha kind of players but i do can see um you know where 
their game could have gone, where they could have done some more things. So I think in the the what if kind of scenario, I think a lot of these players are more applicable. But then again, you could also say that for a lot of people. So, but I do like here on the cast. I'll agree that there are several twists that you that kind of they, they grasp at straws. But there's some twists that were right on, like blood versus water. Yeah, they were people mm-hmm. that were that had a relationship or related in some way. Even one world. Yeah, we all live on the same planet. So yeah, we really are from one world. So <laughs> there, there's a few that that you could kind of say that that they fit. But this one, out of all the ones that they've done, like like Cook Islands was, you can't argue that that the Asian people belong in the Asian tribe. You can't you can't argue that the Hispanic people belong in the Hispanic tribe and the white people belong in the white tribe and so on. Um, but this one, you know, you're going to call it a game changer. It, maybe maybe move attempters, but even then, it brings me back to Caleb. Like, what, what, did he, what move did he attempt? And there's a few people. Like, Ozzy's not known for a... Well, he attempted moves that failed. You know? He, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? But... Uh, yeah, if, if, maybe if they called it maybe move attempters or something, something that not game changers. I guess game changers is a cooler title, but it, 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 I I would look for another term. I I just wish they'd go back. I mean, we talked a lot about this leading up into the the season or uh, when they first announced the season that the titles of like verses and everything that these aren't just working. They should just go back to something like Cook Islands, Vanuatu, like name the location. Because, like you said, I mean, move attempters. I mean, that would, in some ways, be a more appropriate title. But if they just... I don't know why, because I think there were the rumors that this was supposed to be Survivor Legends. And then when they were left with this cast, because a lot of the other bigger players didn't want to do it, some of the winners and everything, they're like, well, let's call it something else Game Changers. I'm glad we brought up Haley too, because I was watching this with my wife, and my wife has watched every episode of Survivor with me since Samoa. So we're on, what, 14 seasons now that she's watched with me? And she watched, you know, Haley's season. But as soon as Haley was on the screen, she turned to me and goes, so is this another one of those new players versus old players seasons? Like, she could not even recognize that Haley had been on a previous season. Like you said, Billy, like, she hadn't done anything. She looked good in a bikini. That's what she did. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so, one thing I want to talk about right away is Debbie, because Debbie was such a huge character the last time we saw her, and she's kind of been more below the radar so far from what I found but I think that so people get so caught up in just this this weird persona she has and all of her unusual jobs I mean now she could add two-time player to her new profession list uh, along with part-time model or whatever but Debbie is often underestimated as being like such a, an intelligent player who really gets things and when everybody's talking right away about we should be eliminating Ty she came right out and said it's way too early to target Ty uh, from your perspective, let's go Billy first. Ty, do you think that he's the type of guy you want to keep around? or Because he, he's known for making really bold moves that maybe aren't the smartest all the time. The flip side of that is that he can get to the end by basically flipping and doing whatever he wants, but he's not the type of guy who's ever going to win the game. Would you agree with Debbie? Uh, you know, I think hers was... was she, she said that not for... Not, not because it was good for the tribe. I think she said that because it was good for her. But she was pitching it mm-hmm. like it was good for the tribe. But, yeah. it, you know, it, it, if I'm not Debbie, if I'm just a member of that tribe, like, this is... Ty was the guy who, who could have saved his alliance and played the idol, and he didn't. Uh, this is the Scott Pollard move, uh, if you guys remember. And so that's mm-hmm. going to sit in my mind, like, 
this guy, he likes to play like, oh, I care about the animals and I don't want to see them hurt. But he's he's one selfish player. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, and, uh, you know, and, and even though he didn't write Scott's name down, he still slit his throat, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so th- he did the same with Caleb now. He slit his throat. So I, I no, a guy who's a throat cutter, somebody who's a cutthroat, no way. Never, never keep a cutthroat around under any circumstances because it could be your throat next. Do you think that Debbie assumes she has some control over Ty at this point? I think she's afraid that it, that if they make a run on all the co-wrong people, that she she's gonna go. <laughs> that uh, mm-hmm. you know she's trying to she's trying to keep people in the line of fire between you know between her and the other players and and Ty is a good just good good target like he's uh he's not somebody that's gonna fly under the radar under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. Rossi, uh, what's your read on Ty? I mean, we're not really seeing anything different from what we saw last time. You know, a lot of erratic moves and not really knowing what he's whether his moves are good in the long term or not. Um, do you think that Ty is going to be plagued by playing the game two times too close together, or do you think that he's doing anything different this time? I think something that's really strong with Ty not in terms of like strong about his game, but something that really resonates with him is that he plays like himself, which I mean, is very true for most people. Most people play like they wouldn't like a part of their personality. But the problem with Ty is that he's so much himself that he can't remove that. He can't play a more robotic game because he is his personality. So he's never going to change his game. So he's always going to be the same. And so he's always going to have the same game that he had in Korong no matter how many times he plays, three, four, five times. He's still going to love the animals. He's still going to listen to everyone. And he's going to do what's best for him, but he doesn't realize what's best for him. So he will always mm-hmm. let people tell him what to do, but also well, break it in certain times. So I don't see Ty making any big changes. I see him going at the same kind of distance, if less, if not less. Yeah, I see him as, as the same player, but... Um... As far as people telling him what to do and him doing it, uh, they told him to play the idol for Scott, and he didn't do it. Um, I I just see him as someone who doesn't see himself as a villain. Like, he's not self-aware enough to know that he is a villain, that he plays like a villain, that he's he's one of the most soft-spoken villains in Survivor history, but he's still a villain. He still, like, does things that... um, that if it were coming from Russell Hans, we would all go, oh, of course he did that. How would you not think he would ever do that? You know, but it's coming from Ty, so it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe he did that. Such a sweet little old man. How can he do that? Well, that's the way he is. I agree that he plays like himself, but what what is Ty? Who is he? I think he's somebody who will, you know, who, who will shake your hand with the right and stab you in the back with the left. That's what I think he is. Yeah. That also comes well, I, from, may- like, the betrayal of Scott and Jason comes from a really strong motivation from Aubrey and I think that when Aubrey was trying to convince him that those guys were not good for him it was it we see it the same way that Brad was convincing him that Caleb wasn't good so he does these backstabbing moves but he thinks they're good because he's helping himself mm-hmm. and he's helping his alliance so I feel like he doesn't really aware yeah. of what he's actually doing. Well, yeah, it's like kind of like what you said, Billy. I mean, he 
he thinks that he's playing as a hero and he doesn't realize that these moves are villainous. I mean, it's funny to think that I hadn't really thought about that. If, if we were to do a Heroes vs. Villain season after this, we would probably see Ty on the Villains tribe. And if we saw him on the Heroes tribe, people would be like, what's he doing there? It doesn't really make sense. Yeah, he would, he would belong on the Villains tribe uh, in the same way that Sandra belongs on the Villain tribe. She, you know, mm-hmm. she, she's somebody that gets away with being a villain, and but the only difference is she's very self-aware that she's a villain, and she's very okay with it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, she's not somebody like a Russell Hans villain or even a Richard Hatch villain that uh, that defines what a villain is on Survivor. Like, they're there, if, if you were to look up, if we were to put a picture on Survivor villain, it would have Russell Hans's face on Survivor villain. Yeah. They're different kinds of villains, and, and in Ty's case, he's, he's, he's the reluctant villain. He's constantly second-guessing himself with these villainous moves, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about players that aren't really <laughs> playing a different game than the first time. What a perfect transition to talk about somebody you're familiar with, Billy Ozzy. Uh, <laughs> this is his fourth time. I want to get your read on it, because you played with him for at least a few days. Do you see any difference in Ozzy's game this time around? No, he's out there fishing. <laughs> yeah, if I provide for the tribe, they'll think of me as important and they'll keep me around. And where did I hear that before? <laughs> oh, I'm like, I'm like, oh well, there we go. And four, four times, and you know, he's playing for the fourth time, and it's the exact same game. I'm mm-hmm. like. What, what what's the, the I think the only difference in, in, in Ozzy right now is that in, in in my in the previous three seasons he was a little too quick to want to make a big move in the early part of the game. Obviously, with me mm-hmm. to throw challenge and uh, the stick, you know, it's an effing stick, you know, from from Micronesia, and then uh, the whole thing of of him being voted out on purpose. To, to go to Redemption Island and knock some people off and then come back that you know that was that was a, a like a riverboat gambler approach to the strategy that Ozzy would do and uh, mm-hmm. I think the the difference is that he's decided that what he does best is to be the provider and what he does poorly is to be the riverboat gambler so let's focus on what he does best and sort of not bring up at least in the early part of the game, what he doesn't do well. And so we're seeing a lot of what he's famous for, which is the spear fishing and the, the hunter-gatherer, the provider, because it is what he does best. So I, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm putting a positive spin on this. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of people are trying to put a positive spin on Ozzy this season. More than anybody, I think he was the one player that people were saying, I've just had enough Aussie as we're coming into this season. Yeah. You know, similar to what people were saying about Rupert when, uh, you know, he was on the the uh, Blood versus Water. But I'd almost feel like because of that, people are giving him a little bit more credit. They're saying, like you said, you know, he's not going out there trying to make the big moves and bully people into it and everything. And he's not playing. I think the past times he's been trying to play a social game and not realizing he's exceptionally bad at it. <laughs> Uh, but you get these confessionals like he had this week, and it completely sums up what you said, where uh, he said, not to toot my own horn, but I'm doing an awesome job of being the rock of this tribe. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, they need me to survive in this game. Like I'm thinking, okay, yeah, it's it's good to do that, but did that work out for Richard Hatch in All-Stars? I mean, it's we're, we're not in Season 1 anymore. We're not even in Season 13. 
people go through 39 days without eating now and they don't care because they're so focused on the game. I mean, is providing really going to get him anywhere this time around? Uh, no. And, and especially in Modern <laughs> Survivor where you, you you start the game with a ton of food. Like, they, if you remember, they had baskets of fruit. They had chickens. Mm-hmm. They, it, it's, 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 not, it's not like it was back in the day when I played. Back in the day, it was like the shirt on your back and, and the wing and the prayer. You know, if you, it's yeah. like it's like Ivan Drago is the is the producer of Survivor, and, and back in the day, in old school, if he dies, he dies. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was the way it was back then. Today, today, you know, Boston Rob, he'll he'll do a little pratfall on his ass and get help. And here you go, here's a bottle yeah. of water, here's a here's a back rub, and <laughs> you know, with. James in Heroes versus Villains with his leg cast. Yeah, his leg cast is like it's like at some point they're like going to be like, hey, do you want to see some? You want to see some some sling? It's free TV on the internet. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I also think that during the last, I guess you could call it All Stars season, um, second chances, that a lot of people were praising the fact that in these early episodes they were going back to this old Survivor style of you know, production where we were getting these personal stories about people's lives, we were getting a lot of the survival elements, and I think we're, what, three episodes in this time, you know, four hours into it, and Aussie fishing is really the first time we've seen any type of old-school survivor stuff. I mean, do you think that, you know, Second Chances, that was just an experiment, and they're like, no, people just want to see the game now. Are we ever going to get a chance to see that back again? Hmm, that's a, that's a tough question. I think it really does depend on the mix of the players that they have. Like they, uh, I think the producers adapt as much as the players do. Um, if they have players that'll that are good at the survival aspect of it, then they got footage to show of it. If they got players mm-hmm. that sit around the campfire and wait for the next food reward, then they got nothing to show for for uh, yeah. for that type of the game, that part of the game. But having said that, uh, I made a prediction. Uh, maybe maybe uh, twenty survivors ago or so. I where <laughs> where I, I well, you mean your season? <laughs> where I was like, I was like, the future of Survivor is the pro Survivor player, where they mm-hmm. when they're in between seasons, they'll work on their swimming, they'll work on their fire starting, they'll they'll learn how to how to scavenge for food, they'll they'll learn what tree is poisonous and what tree is edible. And you know, be, become the professional survivor player, and it hasn't happened all the way through. But what has happened is that people will, will look at what they bring to the table, and, and and sort of what they're missing, and they'll work on what they're missing. And that's even what, from the fans' perspective, what we're looking for is that adaptation. How do they how do they improve? What what are they doing different? And so. Um, um, the reason why I, I believe that is because when uh, when Poverty played the second time, she was climbing up trees like Ozzy and and uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, getting coconuts and, and what have you, and she was spear fishing herself, and she had adapted, she changed, and same thing with Penner, he became that way as well. So um, yeah, I I think I think what, what we're seeing is this is like maybe the end of the one or two dimensional player. And this is also the transitioning into the three and four dimensional player, and so that's why we're getting both kinds of edit in the same season, where a lot of gameplay and a lot of survival stuff, like you know, showing Ozzy doing his stuff. Rossi, I think all of us were on board at least during this point in Second Chances that we liked those 
survival elements, those personal stories, the old school storytelling. But having seen how that season ended up, you know, just being kind of average uh, at this point in Game Changers, are you preferring now, having seen how Second Chances, maybe it wasn't, you know, the best thing long term? Are you preferring this more hardcore, you know, three and four dimensional players like Billy was saying? Or do you still want them to give it a try with what they tried in Second Chances with uh, that old school storytelling? It's tough because I felt that a lot of Second Chance became a bit repetitive with dealing with the conditions and elements and things like that. I think Ko Rong actually did it really well in the balance between survival characters and game. I think that it people didn't really love the season, but I think that it worked really well in blending everything. You You learned about the people, but you learned about their game. And you had people like Scott putting out the fire and how that really upset people because they had to survive and things like that really mm. made the storylines more interesting. Not only just uh, we have to get rid of Scott because he's a big guy, but we have to get rid of Scott because he's annoying and he he's mm. destroying our camp. And so I think that blend is good as long as there's a balance because I don't want just all camp. I don't want just all strategy. I don't want just all Debbie's a mom and she like I don't want all this one note stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think somewhere in the middle is what I think they they're kind of missing at this point. Yeah, I think they're casting towards that to where you know back in the old days you were either a character or a challenge monster or or a, a game strategist, and now they're casting people that are like all three or or two out of three. Uh, you know, they, and and I think it's just uh, the 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 new direction. And um, the and let's be honest, the game the players that go into the game now. Uh, they they watch Survivor now. It wasn't like it wasn't on my tribe where where uh, JP was <laughs> after we won the first challenge. JP was was trying to you know convince me to vote out Christina, and I'm like, but we won. <laughs> <You know? laughs> He's like, no, but you said you were gonna join us and vote out Christina, but we won. <laughs> no, there's no vote. You're, you're going against your word. You said you were on board. <laughs> What do you want me to do? Write her name on a coconut? We won! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what Ty kind of was in Ko Rong, is he was that more uneducated player, and it is more of a casting thing. I think this being Game Changers, it also seems different from Second Chances, because I think Second Chances, they're all players who didn't win. A lot of them didn't even get close, and those who got close, they kind of had that fatal flaw like Spencer or Steven, where it was the social part of their game that suffered so maybe we were getting more stuff in second chances of the personal stories because like spencer said i want to be open i want to talk about my feelings in front of these people and show them i'm a different person whereas in game changers i mean these are people who several of them have won uh a lot of them made it to the end like even ozzy i mean you know i guess we could say whatever we want about terrible social game but i mean he made it to the end once and he came fourth i don't know the you know south pacific really counts for strategy making it to the end but still i mean these are people who had a lot of success so they're kind of stuck in this is all about the game they don't need to redeem themselves socially uh no i don't think they need to redeem a whole lot i i think that uh yeah this this particular cast is just about um uh, experienced players uh not all of them are very experienced like Culpepper is not very experienced um mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's, it's players that uh, basically, you know, it, it's it's everything they did they, they did it the first time through where it was just play to win. Like here it is again, but now you're, you're playing against people you know and people that you've gone that they've all gone to uh, 
uh, reality events with. So you got that aspect mm-hmm. as well, and and I think that's why it's so twist heavy because it's not it's not a it's not a season about redemption or a season about uh, adaptation or anything. So I think that's why the producers feel like you know they gotta you know make them jump through hoops of fire to the to get to the end in this one because it really is just a matter of pro survivor where you got players who played before playing again mm-hmm. yeah you have to keep them on their toes too I, I was very critical after the first episode of this new twist where they immediately go to draw rocks you know not that i don't love the drama of that if it happened but i just feel like forcing people to draw rocks the first time you get a tie is just going to ensure that nobody takes a gamble and that's what i was worried about but what i've liked in the last couple of weeks is that we're getting things like let's switch the tribes up immediately after that you know the first episode let's uh now the thing with send two tribes to, to tribal together you know these twists seem to come every single week as a way to keep players on their toes because you don't want anybody just settling in and saying you know i can win this the same way i won last time uh yeah but i i agree but um at the same time it's like you know it it, it, it what, what what we love about survivor is that there's certain things about Survivor that holds true to every season, so you can be a traditionalist and be a purist. And uh, I don't know, maybe I'm too much of a baseball fan and hate seeing them change the rules of the game uh, you know, too much. <laughs> yeah, in, in baseball, you know, uh, everything that Babe Ruth, you know, his stats still hold up to to what uh, Derek Jeter did. Like you can compare the two because you know the game is essentially the same, and that's what I love about Survivor. You can see Richard Hatch's win. And compare it to, uh, let's say, um, uh, Mike Holman's. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mike. Uh, uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Holloway. Holloway thank you. Holloway, yeah, yeah, thank you. He's gonna. He's gonna hate me for that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Holloway's win, and, and, and still see like, yeah, there. You know, the, the, there's a progression. Obviously, same thing with Babe Ruth and Derek Jeter, but the game was essentially the same. You still, you know, you still, as a, from a purist standpoint, you can still compare the two. And uh, so that's what I love about Survivor, and so I, I'm I'm kind of a little a little worried that you know I don't want them to get too carried away with all these twists and and you know stealing votes and and voting twice and and uh, too much. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to change too much. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I don't I don't want them to just do this every single week. You know, I think it it does do the job of keeping the players question himself so nobody gets comfortable i mean we saw this week sandra getting very comfortable in her position which the same thing happened last week too i mean it almost feels like sandra's just overconfident <laughs> uh, rossi do you like these constant rule changes do you think it's helping the game or are you worried it's going to go too far like billy was saying yes and no um i definitely think an all-star season they have to change it up because these are people that know the game a lot of them study the game you know, Malcolm's someone who probably hasn't missed an episode since day one, or, or maybe he was too young, however old, whatever. <laughs> um, so there, you have to be cautious. You have to change it up. And I think that in certain situations, they don't change it up enough, actually, in the fact that I bet they predicted they were going to switch tribes after the second episode, because they did that in Second Chance. They went from two to three, the exact same point. However, I do think these new twists can go overboard. I think that they got to change it up in somewhat regular fashion. They have to keep a mix between the new and the old and the mixed. Um, I, I mean, 
new players, returning players in mixed seasons. So I, I'm cautious. I think if they repeat something too often, then it's pointless. Just drop it. But I think if they occasionally sprinkle in something new, like this double tribal council, I really enjoy it. And I think it's an interesting wrinkle. But if they did that next season, I don't think I would like it as much. Because then I'm like, oh, I already saw this. Yeah, from a, from a, from someone who played from this standpoint, like my, my worry is that when you get too twist heavy, then the votes become, you know, the random vote out of the week. Like, uh, from what I learned from, from, from my time is, when uh, when you have many tribes, obviously the tribes are small. And when the tribes are small, then strategy gets replaced by common bond. Common bonds is everything from geography. Like in my my tribe, it was four people from California, and I was from New York. And who goes? The guy from New York. In <laughs> yeah. um, Sekou's tribe, it was three women and two guys. So who goes? A guy. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's common bonds. And common bonds is everything from returning players is everything from from um, uh, season to what school are you old school mid school new school to uh, uh, what style of player you are like uh, like if if the odd one if, if the odd one is out that is, is the uh, is the under the radar player then the underrated player goes you know so it's it's like Sesame Street it, it goes down to one of these things is not like the other and that's who goes. <laughs> <laughs> and that, to me, is not very strategic uh, from from you know a purist standpoint. You want it to be like what gets me further in the game as as the reason for why someone goes, and not like I said, the Sesame Street approach. Uh, and so, yeah. uh, I, what I don't want to see is things like okay, you know, pick a bottle, and then out of these two bottles, and you pick a bottle, and you open it up, and it says all right hand people are immune. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah, <laughs> like I don't want to see that randomness. Like, but we're, we're we're like inching our way towards it, so I want to see them pull back a little bit and 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 keep the strategy in, in Survivor. Um, let's talk about Sandra really quickly because I feel like Sandra's she's definitely playing a different game than she played the last two times. I think her first two games were very similar, and she somehow found a way to win a second time playing the same game as the first. But that's partly just going under the radar. I don't know at this point if she's under the radar to the players. I, I, I feel like let's talk about her comment she made this week, you know, about I'm the queen and everything. I mean, I think that's coming across to the audience maybe more than it's coming across to the players. Um, like, Billy, what do you think? Do you think that Sandra is being perceived by the players the way she's being perceived by the audience at this point, that she really is running the show and that she knows it? Uh, well, first of all, I, I somewhat disagree with you, actually, Colin. I think she's playing the same game for the third time, and that same game is, I'll be as loud as I want to be, and I'll dodge a bullet doing it. That's That was her game. First of all, I just have to Go say, ahead. I just have to say, you saying, I'll be as loud as I want to be, sounded exactly like the way Sandra would say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's, you know, <laughs> I, you know I'm, I'm actually really good friends with her. I speak to her almost weekly. But, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, I just feel like she's still playing her game the difference is she's getting a lot of bullets shot at her, you know, in, in this season more mm-hmm. so than in previous seasons. She, but for obvious reasons, because she's a two-time winner, and in spite of the bullets, gump, you know, getting shot at her, she's still dodging the bullets. She's still pulling off the the so long as it ain't me strategy that got made her who she is. 
had uh, she went against Tony. She beat Tony. She uh, she uh, Sierra. She beat Sierra. Uh, this time, technically, she lost, but she's still there. So she technically she won because her strategy is always so long as it's not me. So uh, yeah, I, I I just see her. You know, she she's the one player who could pull off that whole dancing around the raindrops approach to Survivor and not get wet. You know, and and uh, mm-hmm. but. She's, she's, you know, they're, they're trying to throw buckets at her. So how long can she keep it up? Rossi, do you think you see anything different in Sandra's game this time from the first two? I think she had to change. I think it was change out of necessity. I think the reason that she was able to play somewhat of a similar game the second time around is that because her perception was that she's not a threat. We can get rid of Sandra whenever. Sandra won by luck or by a few bad players or whatever so we can get rid of her whenever this time they know she's not a fluke they know she's a serious threat so she had to come out strong and i think she's kind of dialing it back because people are too aware of her now i think everyone's eyes are always on sandra and i think that what oh go ahead Oh, I was just gonna say, I like kind of what I was saying earlier. I don't, I can't tell yet if she's dialing it back because she's making all these really almost cocky comments to the camera, you know, which which just builds on her character. I mean, that's what people almost wanted from her the first two times around, and you know, I, I don't see her making those comments to everybody else. So, so maybe in a way she's dialing it back for everybody else, but I don't know at this point if it's just the way that they're editing the show. It seems like they're almost setting her up to fail in the edit that you know we're seeing her overconfident well remember colin in the previous two times she did not have like three or four nemesis in the previous two times she played she had that one nemesis she yeah so this go around she had multiple nemesis so she's you know she's constantly you know with 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 russell hance she would say her she would say her her um her, her her uh very confident uh very confident one-liners and so forth about Russell Hance, but only about him. And uh, mm-hmm. and previously before that, it was about fair play and only about fair play. This go around, it you know she's got so many people gunning for her that it sounds like everything she's saying is basically you know uh, the the confident one-liners and and but it's because so many people are gunning for her. So she's so she's gonna her response is gonna be the same for for uh, a nemesis in this season as it was in previous seasons, but she's got more of them. So it's a lot more of it. Let's just quickly get opinions here on this, because I think this is almost the topic ever since this season was first rumored back. If Sandra doesn't win this time around, does that hurt her legacy in any way, Billy? Oh, hell no. Hell no. It was a, you know, Boston Rob has one hell of a reputation. Half the time he played, he didn't make the jury. But he's still a got a hell of a reputation. Uh, it's hard to, to, to just get forward in the game. Tina Wesson lost in the first round her first time she played. Uh, I mean, the second time she played. Uh, uh, Rob Sestanino, the first time he uh, the played, was was this this uh, master manipulator. The second time he played, he slipped on a banana peel and he was out. <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> you know, he got the he got the uh, that edit. You know, the. Uh, uh, mm. But Sandra. She, like I said, she's got so many nemesis in this season that uh, I just don't see, like, how could somebody survive that many people gunning for them? From having been in a situation where, for, for my season, my, I, I was 
you know, I was Julius Caesar in, in the Idols of March. Everybody took their turn stabbing me. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I can tell you from that experience, it's I, I personally think no matter how good you are, it's impossible to dodge that many bullets. Rossi, do you think that her legacy gets hurt if she doesn't win? I would say yes, but based on the way she's been playing, no. Because I think she's been playing a really strong game, and the people that have doubted her game are coming around to seeing that she's actually a really savvy person, and she realizes where she's able to move. So I would. So overall, I don't think her legacy is going to be hurt at all. If anything, it may improve from some people. Here, here's the funny thing. Going into the season, even when we first started talking about it a year ago when it was rumored, I was firmly of the opinion if Sandra doesn't win this, she shouldn't have gone out there in the first place. It's going to tarnish her legacy. And as soon as the season started, I just feel differently. And it's not a way that I felt about other All-Star seasons. And I can't quite put my finger on why this is different. But, you know, here's where the villains. I feel like certain people's legacies were hurt. JT's was hurt, obviously. Uh, but with this one, I don't feel like this is really part of the rest of the shows. I almost feel like this is a, its own season. And in a way, I kind of think that, like you said, Rossi, if Sandra doesn't win, I mean, she's playing her game and she's endearing herself to the fans. And what I really like this time around, it, it's it's kind of the same way I felt about Richard Hatch and All-Stars, is that if you're a winner, you know, you're gun for, like you said, Billy, you, you got every gun coming for you. So if you survive one tribal council, it's impressive. I mean, Richard Hatch technically didn't survive a single one, but yet people still love what he did. You know, he went out and had fun. Tony did the same thing this time. There was no way Tony was ever going to survive in this game. So he went out there and he had fun. And in a way, I almost feel like that's what Sandra's doing. She's going out there, she's having fun, and she's doing better at it than I think people expected because there should have been a bigger target on her. Well, let me tell you this. Uh, um, coming from a pro wrestling background, I tend to use a lot of pro wrestling analogies when I uh, discuss Survivor. Survivor is a battle royal. Um, I don't know if you guys ever watched a battle royal in pro wrestling before, but it's a, it's oh, yeah. a bunch of bodies in the ring, and, it, and, and really where, it depends on where you happen to be standing in, in relation to, to the ropes and the other, other people, other wrestlers in the ring, as to when you go out. And so, uh, you know, you win, if you're a big person like Andre the Giant, then that's when it doesn't matter. That's when they all come for you. And right now, mm -hmm. coming into the season, before the season began, Sandra was the Andre the Giant of this battle royal. They were all going to come yeah. for her. So just the fact she's still in, I, I think it doesn't hurt her legacy. It cements it. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of the way I felt about Richard Hatch after All-Stars, and yet I viewed that season differently where there were other players I felt that it did hurt them not doing as well, you know, like Lex, and I'm like the biggest Lex fan that you'll ever find, but still, it's hard to watch that season because you're like, I wish he had done more. But I felt differently about Richard Hatch and All-Stars, where it was like, you know, he was not going to win, and what he did was still impressive. Ethan, the same thing in All-Stars. And that's where Sandra is at this point, and I think if it hadn't reached this episode, I don't think I would have felt that way, but to see that she's in a position where she really is calling the shots, and when she says, I'm the queen... You know, it's not overconfidence. I mean, if she gets voted out next week, maybe it was overconfidence. But it's just she's so sure of where she is. And, and she's right. She really is in a very powerful position. And there's no reason she should be in there. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it, she, she should have. To, to be honest with you, if I was looking at it on paper, like uh, like just uh, we're playing this between us and we're just scratching out names on paper, 
Like, she would have went first, and Tony would have went right after, and JT would have went right after that. And we were doing this on yeah. paper. Because that, that, that would have made sense. That would have been like a, a very by-the-numbers type strategy. And yet, you know, okay, Tony went out, but he didn't go out because other people took him out. He went out because he went after Sandra. So it took a great player mm-hmm. to take him out. But, yeah, and here Sandra is. She's going into – I don't think I've ever seen one player go to this many tribal councils and make it out alive. Like, she's been to all of them, hasn't she? Technically, yeah, she's been to all of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, ridiculous. I mean, she went to so many on the Villains Tribe, and, you know, obviously um, with uh, the, the Pearl Island season, she didn't get that many until she hit the merge, but then after that, I mean, she sh- like she should have been a target every single time. Uh, you mentioned JT. I mentioned him earlier. I think the opinion a lot of people had coming out of Heroes versus Villains is that it didn't help his case as being a great winner, and it's unfortunate because... I think that JT's win in Token Chains is one of the most impressive wins wow. in the history of Survivor just because of where he came from. For being going into it really as three people, you know, once you hit the jury phase, three people, and he somehow turned it around. And then here's the villains, it was different. I mean, because he was in a power position. And uh, I don't know with JT if it's just he plays better when he is on the bottom, because I think in Token Chains he played so well. This time around, he is. It seems almost like a mix of his two seasons. I don't know. What do you, What are your feelings on JT, Billy? Well, if you le- listen to Stephen Fishback, he plays great when Steven's there, and then he doesn't play great when Steven's not there. Yeah. You listen to him. <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, it, uh, for, for JT, he relies a lot on likability. Like, if, mm-hmm. if, if, that, if he doesn't have his likability working, if he's not charming people, then his game is derailed. And uh, mm-hmm. that was the singular reason why he went after those goats in the previous episode was to, as he said in his confessional, was to play hero and win people over. That he provided some food and and um, uh, it backfired because all of a sudden, no, we can't kill goats. We can't do this. And, mm-hmm. and so that, to me, sums up his game this season to where he's yeah. trying to do what do- he does well and it's just it's not working. It's backfiring. This is the wrong group of people to to, to be likable. <laughs> you know? It doesn't yeah. fly with them. <laughs> and, and we saw a lot of him in tribal. We'll get to tribal in a second because there's a whole lot to talk about yeah. there. But in tribal, I mean, he was kind of playing the ringleader there and, and trying to pull this all together. And that felt more like what he was doing in Heroes versus Villains. And I'm not really of the opinion that you know his move in Heroes versus Villains was like the worst move ever, as a lot of people try to say it is. It definitely wasn't a smart move, but, you know, I mean, everybody makes some type of mistake. If, if you got voted out once, you made a mistake, you know? And I think that that's where I felt like maybe the Heroes of Villains is coming out, you know, where he's trying to call the shots more. And when he was calling the shots in Token Sheens, even if it was with Steven as well, him and Steven calling the shots, if he has that second person... It just it seemed to be more below the radar, and people weren't realizing he was calling the shots and that he was manipulating. You know, Rossi, how are you comparing St- uh, JT's three games at this point? JT is playing the same game as Heroes versus Villains, in my opinion. <laughs> and he's overplaying. And I think when he overthinks and overdoes it, he goes wrong. There maybe is a bit of overthinking there. Billy, would you agree? Uh, I think his perception is why he's... He's uh, he's scrambling so hard. His perception was uh, that when the tribe scramble happened, that he was the only one that got brought over from his from his previous tribe, and and the perception that he's on the bottom because of that 
is what's having him scramble so hard. Um, is there truth to that perception? Isn't there truth to that perception? Uh, it, it's hard to say because it looked like he had Malcolm. But mm-hmm. who knows? Was Malcolm playing him? Was Malcolm not playing? I, I you know, uh, that that's that's a tricky situation. Um, I could only trust that JT would have enough self awareness to know whether or not he's at the bottom or not. He is a former winner, so if he felt he was on the bottom and he's a former winner, then I've got to trust him and say that all right, uh, we didn't see we didn't see a full hour of of, of people bashing him in their in the confessionals, buddy. It's something inside to trigger him believing that. He better scramble now, or his, his, his time is over. Mm-hmm. But his scrambling is what's killing him, because he's panicking too much. Well, and well, I do well, think that he is a target. But yeah. when he went to go find that idol in the last episode, <laughs> I thought that was so great to watch. That was a terrible move, because well, everyone put their target right on him. Like well, the, tar- the target was already on him. Um, yeah, I think I agree. Rossi, I'll say this. when I'll say this. If he's really on the bottom and he doesn't, and he, you know, and he, and he scrambles somewhat and then gets voted out, he'll spend the rest of his life with shoulda, coulda, woulda's. Every mm-hmm. survivor will tell you they'd rather overplay and try too hard than underplay and not try hard enough. Like, it's more livable to say, I gave it my all. And maybe I try, you know, maybe it was a case of quicksand where the more I struggled, the quicker I sunk. But I gave it my all. That's easier to live with. So I think that's why we're seeing that from JT. Because it's, it's a common phenomenon amongst former players. I, I said earlier that I think Tony just went out there knowing he was doomed and he wanted to have fun and go out with a bang. Um, I also said I think that Sandra... You know, for somebody, there's so much talk about is this going to hurt her legacy? I don't think she cared at all. She's like, I'm just going to go out there. I don't care if my legacy's hurt at all. I mean, she doesn't see it that way. I, I spoke to her. She sees it as this is her yeah. job. She's a pro player. She's a pro survivor player. Yeah. You know, Michael Jordan didn't yeah. win the NBA title every single season. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 who else I can give? Joe Montana. Look at all the rings he won, but he didn't win every single season. So okay, Sandra mm-hmm. start her. her, her her career is off to a Joe Montana like beginning. Like she's she's got two titles already. Um, but if she wins this season, she's she cements as the greatest ever. If she doesn't win this season, she's still one of the greatest ever. So either way, yeah. you know, it's just she's a professional. She's out there doing what she does. We're, you know, playing the game Survivor. That's what she does for a living. Would you say she's the Brock Lesnar of Survivor? <laughs> Brock Lesnar. That you know. I'll do you one better. She's the Undertaker at WrestleMania of Survivor. <laughs> if she loses once, it doesn't hurt her legacy. Exactly. Uh, the Undertaker stole. You, you consider the Undertaker less of a Hall of Famer because he lost that one time at WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's still a great Hall of Famer. I don't think he took anything away from the Undertaker. He's a, he's a thousand years old at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's an interesting point you brought up. That I think so many people look at it that if you won twice, you have to defend that, and if you ever lose, then you're done. But it's like you said, I mean, nobody goes out there and wins every time. And we're seeing Ozzy for the fourth time, and Ozzy, you know, has played the same game four times and is probably going to end up failing four times. That's just my prediction. But if Sandra loses this time, I mean, Ozzy's come back four times. Rupert's come back four times. I mean, these aren't the greatest players there's no reason Sandra wouldn't have a fourth shot, even if she goes out next week. Well, let me say this: Dan Marino never won a, a Super Bowl. Is he? Is he? Mm. Is he any less of a great player because he didn't win a Super Bowl? Yeah, 
Yeah, he, so Stephen Fishback is the Dan Marino. Of, there you so, go, really. yeah. You know, you know, they do great. They make the playoffs. They make other people around them look uh, better than they are. But it's just not in the cards for them to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Barkley never won an NBA title. He's still a great player. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you think, though, with JT, I'll get both of your opinions on this, do you think JT feels he has something to prove? Because it almost seems like he's playing, wanting to redeem himself from heroes versus yeah. villains. And maybe, you know, Sandra didn't have to. Tony feels he didn't have to. They're coming off of wins. JT's actually coming off a loss, being a great winner still. Is JT trying to redeem himself? Oh, all right. I'll, I'll go again. I thought it was for Rossi. You want to go, Rossi? Oh, for both of, for both <laughs> of right. you. Um, you. You know what? I think, I think JT's personality really does have a lot to do with his perception so uh mm. if he perceives like you said that he's coming off a loss then yeah it's just the way he is as a, as a person that uh that a lot of a, a lot of his reality is just what's going on in his brain so uh, uh you know uh, uh i personally don't think he had anything to redeem but if he if he perceives like like oh i'm, I'm like you said i'm coming off a loss i want to get back on the winning track I'm one of the best that ever played this game, but I want people to know that I'm one of the best, so I better win. Then you know this is his perception, and this is the the pressure he's putting on himself. But I, I really don't know if that's the case. But if it, but that is his kind of personality, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, Rossi, what about you? That's interesting. I never thought of it in that way for the winners. Um, but I don't see it in JT to feel that he has to redeem. I don't know. I just don't see him having that kind of ego or about it like well i'm the best and here's why i i, I don't see him ever saying you know the king's got to stay well, king or whatever like <laughs> no, I, I don't know if that's even the way I, I i'm thinking partly because he came off of this win that you know if he had never played heroes versus villains people would still be today talking about what he was able to achieve in token sheens with such a small minority and get all the way to the end and really take control of the game and Here's versus villain so soon after that, I mean, it became what was, I think, unfairly considered one of the dumbest moves in the history of Survivor. And I think that's more what he's trying to redeem is saying, you know, I made a mistake in the game, but judge me on my win, not my one loss. I can see that. And don't forget, JT was a unanimous winner. Before JT, yeah. only Earl had been a unanimous winner. So I'm sure that that plays some role into his perception of where his, he stands in Survivor history. But, um,. Yeah, it's it's J, JT. Uh, like like I was saying, uh, if you ever meet the guy, he's very down to earth, but also is like his reality is, is is what his perception of things are in his head. It's not necessarily uh, like uh, uh, a case of where he reads the writing on the wall and then he reacts. It's more of like mm-hmm. what's he what, what mood is he in? His mood will decide like what's he gonna do. Uh, we could jump into tribal now. If I don't know if either of you have recovered from it yet. I'm still <laughs> struggling to think about what I just saw. This is why I'm glad we have this episode to talk about because very few times in Survivor, I mean, Probe says it every single week, this is one of the craziest tribal councils we ever had, and it's because, you know, there's some big moves or whatever. I don't think there's any way to describe what happened in this week's tribal council. Like, this was one of a kind. And... I'm still struggling to figure out, you know, where everybody was. I mean, I've lost track of who was on what tribe even coming into this. <laughs> the first thing I just want to ask about is, you know, what Propes, I feel like he let go on with all the whispering and everything. 
it feels like this is something we're seeing a lot more of lately where you know players are making moves and he's pointing out saying hey these people are talking back there and nobody's stopping it i don't feel like we saw that in the older seasons i mean billy i have to ask you because you've had first-hand experience at a tribal is this something that would have went on you know we know these tribals record for hours were there opportunities to do this? Would he let that happen in the old seasons? Uh, in the old seasons, it was a lot stricter. And not just by probes, but by... Survivor has like 20 producers. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, the producers' consensus was that they uh, you know, they were they were running a tight ship back then. So this is definitely something that's new school. Not not something that uh, you would ever see. Like, uh, like in my season, for sure, you would never have saw that. Um, but having said that... You know, I think this is an accumulation of seasons, as you were mentioning, that we were seeing people... It started with two people whispering once, like, uh, and then it continued, it continues... In fact, you know what, I'll even do you one. In my season, my my travel council, there was a little bit of whispering uh, between Cecilia and, and Christina, and it was just... Make to make sure we still doing what we're doing. Like, I even heard the whisper, uh-huh. and, and it was like, yeah, and that was it. That was, that was the whole whisper. Uh, and I think that was very commonplace. But over many, many seasons, those whispers would grow into conversations and then multiple conversations. And then it, it came to a head in this past travel council where people got up out of their seat, which never <laughs> happened before, and walked over and had like, a, you know, they would they would basically huddle up and, and, and hold, the, hold yeah. the football style huddle in the middle of, of tribal council. Not once, not twice, but like three times per player. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, I just think, you know, Jeff lost control and then played it off like, hey, why, why the hell not? Like, yeah. <laughs> how, how's, and how's he going to stop it anyways? <laughs> uh, I mean, if it was new players, maybe he would have tried a little bit harder. But, I mean, it made for such good TV. I mean, just watching these people go back and forth, like, I don't even remember what music was playing, but I was visualizing – you know, like some type of spy music playing because it was just, it was nonstop. Like I'm going to this person, I'm going to this person. I couldn't even keep track of who's talking to who. And it never seemed to end. And it just got funnier the longer it went on. Uh, Rossi, how did you feel about this tribal council? I do think in touching on the, you know, the whispers to strategy, talking to the idol playing, to the running around the thing, I think it depends situationally. Cause I definitely don't want to see this, you know, come the next new player season like at one of their tribal councils if the situation doesn't dictate i think this was okay because we've never seen this dual tribal council with one vote like that that's mm-hmm. a new so i think that the interactions were warranted for this um but in terms of the tribal council i thought it was interesting because i never really knew who was with whom you know i, I felt that yeah <laughs> brad was really trying to reel Haley in. But then at the same time, they were never really with her. And then the same thing goes with the other tribe. They, they wanted Haley, but they never really expressed it. So I feel like there was so much confusion on who was trying to reel who in, like whom, like who was trying to vote for what person. And I think it was just crazy. Although I don't think it was as great as it people say it was, if we yeah. think about it. I, I because, personally think Oh. I'm just saying, had the idol not been played, it wouldn't have been so dramatic. It would have been just a classic Sierra's gone because of the votes. Right. I agree. I think think the story that kind of slipped by was that JT was trying to side with his old alliance of of, uh, Brad Culpepper without getting his hands dirty. Like, that, I think that was the underlying story. 
that together with Culpepper uh, basically allowing uh, uh, Haley to get what she wanted, which was a, to get a physical threat out instead of a strategic threat, which is what Culpepper wanted, as a way to compromise and, and reel her in. I think those were the two under the, the two stories. With the main one be that JT was trying to side with his old alliance without getting his hands, you know, without getting blood on his hands, which I think he got blood in his hands. <laughs> I think it backfired. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, Rossi, I think we may see this again with new players. I think we'll never see this again with returning players because a returning player is smart enough to know that if someone gets up out of their seat, you take the little stump and you toss it to the side and say, "Now nah, you don't have a seat, bitch." <laughs> Don't ever get up again. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen Haley do that to somebody in this episode. Haley was definitely, I, th- I feel like, irritated in this. And the other thing I want to ask you about, Billy, you know, because there's so much stuff we don't see in Tribals. And I, I feel like the things we don't see in Tribals are just these little production things. And when, you know, he was saying it's time to vote and Haley says, I didn't consent. I mean, is this something that, like, the tri- we hear the tribals go for hours. Is, do they go for hours because people have something to keep saying? You know, if somebody chooses, can they say, I'm not ready to vote yet? Well, they go for hours for multiple reasons. Mines went for about two and a half hours. Um, and, and the case of Mines is that there was uh, a lot to flesh out. Like, uh, at the beginning of our tribals, I was the only one being truthful, and everybody else was trying to play semantics and play coy and, and spin mm-hmm. things and and uh divert attention uh to change the subject and and probes wasn't having it <laughs> he uh it, we'll see for however long we have to until we get the truth out there so uh there was a lot of that in mind and then me and jp went at it pretty good like uh we we, we stayed in our seats uh <laughs> but uh <laughs> but we, we we were like two two rabbit hounds like barking at each other pretty good and uh that that took a little while to sort out um but I think they, they go for a long time for different reasons. And uh, this whole, I, I didn't consent or I'm not ready yet, um, I think that's a returning player thing. I think the players that come back understand they have more control over production than new players realize. Mm-hmm. Um, a, 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 a player can uh, that played for the first time, they're... When it comes to production, they're a piece of seaweed in the tide. They're a leaf in the wind. They think that whatever production does, like they have to go along with it. When it's not true, and you figure that out much later as you go along, as the, they question you, like, I'll give you a perfect example. Every player that is on the chopping block goes through this, where they're trying to scramble to get themselves out, out of the, off the chopping block and out of harm's way. But because this is the most interesting point of that particular player's game, production wants to pull them away for confessional after confessional to get a play-by-play of what's going on. Obviously, if you're cutting a confessional, you're not around to scramble, and they're talking behind your back because you're not there. Yeah. So what do you do? A new player does what production tells them to do, and they, they're the goose is cooked because they're not there to defend themselves. A returning player tells tells production to F off. They're trying to save their own hide. <laughs> and they can get the confessional retro after they come back. And they'll cut it tomorrow and you can paste it in like it happened today. So <laughs> so they'll stay scrambling. So that's yeah. the difference. And so because Hallie's a returning player, she pulled what she pulled. I, I think if she was a new player, she'd have never said it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we'll quickly talk about Sierra because this almost was her exit this week, and she's probably more than anybody the player that even more than Haley the the player that people went into the season saying I don't understand why she's there, and personally I felt like she has been a lot more vocal this season. I know Ben met her and you know she told him a lot of stories about her season. His his opinion of her is basically that she didn't receive the right edit. We got a lot more game out of her this time, and I almost feel like the idol being played on her is taking t- attention away from the fact that she was kind of on to something this week and you know, especially when ty was trying to talk it was just this one small moment when ty was trying to talk and everybody's talking over and she's like quiet everybody and she's like ty what is it and that's when he's like i have the idol little things like that i think she's maybe a little bit more tuned in than people are giving her credit for and uh what are your feelings on uh sierra at this point she reminds me of trish if you remember uh when she played with tony trish was like always right and tony was like always wrong and if it wasn't for trish crony would have never won uh that, yeah. That's what she reminds me of, to where she's she's spotting things that other people aren't spotting, um, and maybe that's what happened her first time. She maybe she didn't speak up as much as she could have, and, mm-hmm. and she suffered from the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. And now here's her chance to go ahead and speak up and and point out what she she's aware of. So I don't think, but I don't think it detracts from her that the idol got played on her because it was number one, like you said, she was the one who was paying attention to Ty. And, and, and had Ty speak up where he got to he got to play the the tell them about the idol, and then number two, mm-hmm. she was the one who kept insisting they're gonna vote her out, like they're gonna target her, yeah. and so she was right again. So I yeah, so exactly. yeah, I I totally. But if she gets if she ends up with the same fate as Trish, you know, she's a great player. She's <laughs> a great player that's gonna be underrated for 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 years and years to come. Mm-hmm. Um, Rossi, Sierra. Um, I mean, we didn't see much of her during Worlds Apart. I don't remember if you were a fan of her. You tend, you tend to go for a lot of these players that other people miss. Were you a fan of Sierra coming into this, and are you more or less of a fan of her now? I was okay with her. I was not always eh, on her coming back. <laughs> That's pretty much what everybody said, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> but now I'm loving fan favorite Sierra Don Thomas. Um, yeah. I think that these players that you know you question coming back, there's something that's in there. I think a lot of the production sees what we don't see. And I think that when they see something special in some of these players, I think that that's why they come back. So that's why I really am enjoying people like Haley and Sierra because they're they're fine-tuning their game so well. And it's not being noticed by everyone, which is such an asset to them in the game because they're picking up on things. They're having conversations that they may not have had before. And it's working in a, such a way that they can reap the benefits without any of the harm coming to them, because it's going to go to the bigger targets first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, in an episode, this is what the craziest thing is for me. In an episode where we've had a lot to talk about Sandra, we've had a lot to talk about Sierra of all people. We've even had a few things to talk about Haley, you know, and Ozzy and everybody and JT. The only guy that I feel like there's nothing really to talk about is the guy who went this week. And that's, in a way, what's brilliant about this episode is that we had so much of this, you know, craziness at Tribal Council that this is, I think, one of those moments that you know, would be referred to as a viewer blindside. Mm-hmm. Nobody saw it coming with Malcolm going home. I mean, did either of you even suspect Malcolm was going to be the one to go? There was only one moment where I was like, uh-oh. One moment and one moment only, and that was... At Tribal Council, so this is how late in the episode we're talking, when Malcolm said if it's him going down the aisle, he would curse his way all the way down that aisle uh, on the way out. <laughs> and that was when I was... And he yeah, did. <laughs> and that's when I was like, when he said that, I was like, uh-oh. Oh, crap. 
(laughs) Why? Why'd you have to say that? Why? Why? That's like the death wish. It's like you're begging to be voted out when you say something like that. Why? And then it happened. I was like, son of a bitch. I wish I wasn't right. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know about you guys. I love Malcolm. I mean, he was one of my favorites coming into this. And I know we're seeing him for the third time. And, you know, a, a lot of people unfairly i think say he's just another aussie or whatever he's i think he's completely different i mean he's got great social skills he he makes unusual alliances you'd never expect him to align with like with denise the first time around i think he's a really clever player who just never got the win but it's so unfortunate he went but at the same time the way he exited just made me love him even more i mean to you you would always think like if you're gonna see somebody basically he literally crying at the end that you'd be like, oh, come on, suck it up. But I love that because it shows how seriously he took this and how invested he was in the game. Uh, Rossi, I know you you told me off air that you had something to say about you know Malcolm leaving this week. Uh, you know, before you get to that, you just want to tell us about whether or not you suspected Malcolm was going to go, and then uh, go on with whatever comment is you had about Malcolm. Okay, so I, first, I think the first indication that he may go was when Sierra brought him up. Because Sierra was, they were at camp, and Sierra mentioned his name as a mm-hmm. target. But I mean, I'm sure they talked about everyone possibly thinking about who they could vote out. But I think yeah. it's interesting that his name came up early on. Um, and then he also had that stupid Francesca esque quote where he's like, if I go, like, which is <laughs> automatic seal of your fate, like you're going to be dead. Yeah. Um, so, but I do think it was still a bit of a shock. Because I, I feel like Sandra may have been a bigger target. So I don't know. It was definitely between Sandra or Malcolm. Definitely. I don't see them targeting Jeff or Michaela in those situations. But um, And my comment about Malcolm is that I see a really strong parallel to Sari, which is who's also on the season. But in the three times that Sari played, she made it decently far of the both times like Malcolm. And then the, the third time, fourth tribal council voted out because of an idol mm-hmm. yeah i think it's really interesting and now that they're that they were playing on the same season i think it's a really interesting parallel there yeah and i mean Cerise come back a fourth time um i'm not usually a fan of four-time players i'm not usually a fan of three-time players uh i would love to per- personally i'd love to see malcolm back a fourth time billy are you a malcolm fan do you think he's one of the ones who would be justified in coming back a fourth time i like malcolm a lot i think when uh, a player um has a shocking demise i think that that warrants like them coming back because mm-hmm. it's it, it's not it's not a case where they went out by the numbers if, if, if they keep going out by the numbers then they can't they haven't figured out the numbers and they probably will never figure out the numbers so uh, uh-huh. um, that would not warrant it. But when it's a shocking demise, when, when something happens and it's a complete blindside and, and uh, uh, something unique or brand new happened that never happened before, and that's why they lost, well, that means it took something extraordinary to beat them. So that means that, to me, that warrants take bringing them back. Um, uh-huh. But having said all of that, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you said about uh, Malcolm and his tears. I-, I loved his passion for the game. That he was so mm-hmm. so passionate, and that it hurt so much because of his passion. Uh, yeah, a big big thumbs up to Malcolm for that. Rossi, do you want to see Malcolm back a fourth time? I really like Malcolm, and I think he's a savvy person, and this really 
you know, he has that good blend of every kind of component of the game. However, I feel like he plays a little too similarly in all the times. Like, he does change it up, but I feel that, I don't know if we would get a really new, fresh way to play a new game this time. Because in every subsequent time, he's gone home earlier than he did. So I don't know. I mean, if they didn't have this tribal council, it'd be interesting to see where he fell, but I don't know if I'd like to see him. I think he's had a good run, and I think he'll still be remembered as a great player. I don't think this hurt him in any way. I, I think I'm with Billy in that just the way he went out this time, I mean, he, it's screaming, bring me back, you know? I, mean, I, I can remember a few times when people were voted out and they just had those great confessional moments in the end, like when Rupert was voted out in Pearl Islands and uh, Judd, the big one in Guatemala, you know, calling people scumbags <laughs> and everything. And the, the fact that he went out and said the words, I'm going to vomit, and then said, JT, that stupid kid couldn't keep his mouth shut He's not getting a Christmas card. <laughs> Again, it's like you said, the passion for the game and just it's a great way to go out. Um, I, I would love to see Malcolm back another time. Uh, before we go to our listener questions, you know, we're not going to go through every single player here, but maybe if each of you want to give me you know, three players that you're really watching the season that you're loving what they're doing. Billy, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, I'll start with the obvious Culpepper. The guy that I'm looking at the most is Brad Culpepper because he's, his game has changed the most out of everybody that started the season. From the first time he played to now, in a positive way. Uh, the first time he played, I think he took the how hard could it be approach, which I think it would shock you how many players actually, first time players, take the how hard could it be approach, which is they see like an episode or two and they think to themselves, how hard could it be? <laughs> and and mm-hmm. I think that's what Brad did his first time he played. This time, it shows that he went back and he watched season after season and studied and, and, and took notes and and uh, got together with his wife and and uh, uh, came up with some formula, some game plan, and uh, some tactics. And so there's a big, big, big difference in, in Brad Culpepper. And, and, his and he learned to count this time, as we saw this week. Well, yeah. because He's doing the four and the five, and his numbers are right. <laughs> I, I thought it was hilarious that they felt the need to put that in the edit. <laughs> <I> thought, <laughs> somebody, somebody in production has a good sense of humor. <laughs> so that's my first player of... Uh, do you want me to go through all three or, or, or go back and forth with Rossi? Uh, no, you can give us the other two. All right. So, uh, gee, so uh, I thought the other player to watch coming into the season was Sarah, but she's hardly in the edit. So it's making me think mm-hmm. that, you know, she could be like a bit of a Sophie Clark. That we won't see her until much later. And then that's when she, she makes her move. So that tells me that maybe she does make it far. And, and we don't see her play until, until the merge or something so she's my to watch mm-hmm. later down the road um and then uh, uh the third third person uh, uh I, I like i like aubrey because aubrey has all these great confessionals uh the uh, like like the uh like her her analogies like the what was the last one the pigeon one the uh <laughs> the bird one the the analogy at the tribal oh. council <laughs> yeah 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 it was, it was so inter- she, she's she's good for chiming in with just the right the right uh, uh, anecdotes and, and, and so forth. So uh, I like to watch it for that. Plus, plus, let's be honest, she's a great player who's who's sort of doing the impossible and flying under the radar amongst amongst all stars. Like that shouldn't be possible. Mm-hmm. Rossi, who are your three? Okay, so I'm gonna give you five. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm gonna give you four with positive upside and then one with a negative upside. Who I didn't oh. think would have okay. negative. So I'm going to start with the negative, and I'm going to put that as Andrea. 
someone who I think has been given such an awful edit. I don't know if she's like this is correlating well to the game, but I've seen so much negative that awkward moment with Troy Zan and uh, she's just not been doing so well this season. So I'm interested to see where she falls because we haven't seen her go to tribal council yet. So her game is very much up in the air. Um, and then the four positives, I think Troy's in for one is someone who I didn't expect to like, but he's turned it around a lot and able to find the idol. And I think, I think he'll have ways to maneuver within that group, even though they haven't gone to tribal yet, but I see someone like Zeke maybe and Sarah working with him. So We'll see. Um, I definitely agree with Billy with Brad Culpepper. I think he's changed it so much, and I think that he's really calling a lot of the shots right now in the way that he told, play the idol on Sierra. It's, it's her. It's so, um, yeah. And then definitely fan favorite Sierra Don Thomas is someone to watch out for. I think she was really good in this episode about picking up on those subtleties and really knowing what to do and what to say. And then lastly, no shock, Haley. I think <laughs> I think that she's been really articulate at Tribal Council and the way that she turned things against Caleb so easily and so effortlessly, even though that he was probably going home when they got there. But I think that she's just been able to spin things and trying to... She didn't come across negatively, even though she was kind of playing that double agent at Tribal Council. Like, I'm going to vote for you. No, no, I'm going to vote for you. And I think she works well it's only time will tell to see if the wrath of debbie will get her down (laughs) i think oh go ahead billy i was just gonna say i agree with andrea and what scares me about andrea is that her edits reminded me of monica if you remember from uh from a second chance yeah where where yeah it's it's, it's scary because (laughs) monica that was that was basically like production was like you know what I don't really like you. <laughs> you got that in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, she's somebody that they loved the first two times she was on there. So the fact that we're not seeing that much of her, and like you said, Rossi, it's not that positive. It is. It's. It's definitely different, and it's. It does make me think that Andrea is probably not going to go as far, and if she does, it's not going to be that favorable for her. I will say. I will say that uh, field producers play more of a role in the edit you get than. And probably any of the other producers and the field producers um just just because andrea had like uh been on three times doesn't mean she had the same field producer all three times plus this is a three tribe mm-hmm. situation so there's an extra field producer what if on her tribe is the extra field producer who all of a sudden oh yeah yeah doesn't like her so uh, that's why i'm worried because like if, if the field producer has it in for her like she could she could she, she could have the great game going on and we'll never know and they'll just show her the one time she she, she face plants I think the only one I'm di- going to disagree with it the two of you brought up is Haley just because there was the one comment she had this week where she was talking about taking out now is the time to take out the physical threats and I'm like mm-hmm. in what world is now the time to take out physical threats I mean you're thinking in terms of well let's get them out before you know we get to emerge I can understand that but you're pitching this to losing tribes it just it didn't make sense to me, and I don't think anybody else was buying it either. Um, so I'm not really on board with Haley. Uh, I think my three, very similar to the two of you, just with one different one, um, I'm definitely behind Brad Culpepper. And yeah. again, I didn't expect to be, but he's the perfect example. And this is a guy who probably should have been on Second Chances. And I think he's playing the game of Second Chances where he's trying to make it different from his first time. 
you know, not just in counting properly, but in his WWMD, what would Monica do? And, you know, he, he, he has a good handle on the game without being the control freak he was the first time around. And I think he's officially made it at least as far, if not further than he did uh, the first time around. Um, I also completely agree with Sierra. She's the one I was most surprised with just because I didn't, well, in all fairness, I don't think any of us knew what to expect coming in. We didn't see anything from her. And she really surprised me this week with how uh, knowledgeable she was about everything that was going on and how aware she was of everybody's place in the tribe and, you know, what should be done. Uh, my third one is somebody we haven't actually seen that much of, and that's Jeff Varner. And the main reason I'm thinking of this again because of the edit, if we're three episodes, four episodes in, and we have not seen a lot of Jeff Varner, if he's under the radar, that makes me, makes me think he goes far because... In every other season he's in, he's been gone before we even get to the jury two times in a row, and they milked it for all it was worth because that's how good Varner is. You know, you want to get it's like Jonathan Penner. You want to get every moment that you have him on screen. You want to get it on on screen in the edit, and we're not seeing a lot of him. And unlike a lot of people, we're like, well, maybe they don't make it that far. Then you know, like Monica last season or whatever, or second chances. I think with Varner, it's because something big is going to be coming, and I think he's going to go far in the game. So those are my three. And I like that. Between all of those, I think that we've probably picked a winner here. <laughs> so we've talked about almost everybody. Well, the one consensus, consensus we all definitely have with Culpepper, so it's looking good for Culpepper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're calling this on the Oz Network. Brad Culpepper wins Survivor Game Changers. Nice. Nice. And if Ben were here, I know he'd be backing it up because he's probably the only person who voted for Brad Culpepper on Second Chances when he didn't get uh, off. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I voted for him, too. Uh, so two people <laughs> voted for him. I didn't, and I'm wishing I would have now. Uh, but, uh, uh, right. I guess before we go, we have some listener questions sure. here. And, uh, you know, most, I'm going to say, no knock against you, Rossi, but most of them obviously are for Billy. But we do have one for you, Rossi. So uh, why don't we get to that one first here, if I just pull them up. Um, Rossi, you were there for our rankings cast we did, which you know, I, I think we brought up to you last time we were on the show, Billy. It's like 34 hours ranking every single Survivor contestant in the history of Survivor. And <laughs> Rossi was the silent party. He was there kind of for min purposes, you know, to keep track of our rankings and... Uh, make sure everybody was you know in the right turn and order and everything but he didn't actually appear on the episodes other than one or two brief comments he was in the background and nobody knew it the whole time zachary <laughs> chong one of our longest listeners wants to know rossi have you recovered from the silence of the rankings cast yet well i guess if you hear me then yes because i'm talking <laughs> um this is part of the promotion yeah, i'm i'm able to You're no longer silent on our shows <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, all good now. All good. I can speak again. Nice. And um, I think well, we have well, we have one really good one here. I'll, I'll save that one for last. One really good one here for Billy. Uh, let's get to a few other ones first. Kevin Sporka says, "Hi, Billy. Big fan. Do you think they should bring back the mutiny as a twist? And which game changer would benefit most?" from a mutiny on the current tribes he has two questions so we'll go with that one first all right so hey kevin uh thanks thanks for being such a good such a big fan um yeah that's a good question i first of all i, I do i do like the mutiny um that's one of those uh 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 a twist that brings in strategy instead of takes out strategy so that's why i like the mm -hmm. mutiny so much and uh I think the players that uh, that would benefit the most is uh, uh, um, 
I think it's JT because he clearly is paranoid about where he stands in his mm-hmm. tribe. And so he would obviously mutiny to return with Culper. So uh, I think he would benefit the most. But uh, I, in my opinion, this is my humble opinion, I've, I've had like 11 years to, to think about what would I have done if I was in that situation because it happened on my season, the mutiny. Mm-hmm. So if, it were, if, if I were in that situation, I would convince everybody that was standing on my mat to get off the mat and force a merge. <laughs> that would have been a big move. That would have cemented you as a game changer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Could you have been persuasive enough with your tribe, though, to do it? I would have looked at him and I said, look, we have the numbers. We want to merge. Let's do this. We, we, you know, because I, I, you know, I found some reason to get off the mat, <laughs> to get them all yeah. off the mat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, second question here from Kevin. Uh, an early rumor before the season was a winners slash jury slash early boot format. Would you ever be interested in playing in that kind of season? Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I'd especially love to be in an early boot tribe, mm-hmm. even if it's not an all early boot um, uh, uh, season, but, but at least an early boot tribe, because then the, the experience level is so equal. It's such a level playing field that having been on for only six days doesn't hurt me. Uh, but one thing I will say is that um, talking to going to so many events, I talk to so many survivors. A lot of them do feel like having been on the show and then be away from the show for so many years acts as a sort of surrogate uh, experience. Like you're you're picking up mm-hmm. experience from other players as you go along. So having having been a, uh, a player from eleven years ago, I guess I picked up a lot of experience as well. So even if they scramble the tribes up. At some, which you know they would, <laughs> you know they would, and I end up uh, yeah. uh, uh, teamed up with winners and, and and jury players and all that stuff. I think I could hold my own. And then you'd have the opportunity if they threw the mutiny in there that you convince all the winners to <laughs> force the merge. Force the merge! Everybody get off the mat! Quick! Force the merge! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another question here. This one from Isaac Brower. He says, "Since it's been at least ten years since your season, do people still recognize you to this day?" Uh, first of all, hello Isaac. Hey, thanks for the uh, for the for the question. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I've have. Uh, first of all, I have such a big, big um, uh, presence in the in the in the charity, so, uh, the reality charity community that uh, it, 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 that keeps my name out there. Plus, let's be honest, the uh, hardcore fans like they know things about Survivor that the survivors don't know. Uh, like they can quote things mm-hmm. that we forgot we said. So uh, they're, <laughs> yeah, hardcore fans, hardcore fans are never gonna forget any of the survivors, myself included. Does it help you that you still have your your t-shirts uh, to this day? Yeah, I got, <laughs> Does that help you getting recognized? Yeah, I got like I'm up to like or down actually. I'm down to like 15 of them. I, at one point, I was over 30 <laughs> of them. I was endorsed by the company um, uh, Lucid Blue T-shirts for a good six years so i was getting them um uh, regularly and they were taking care of me uh, monetarily and um yeah uh so yeah the t-shirts uh it's it definitely part of the uh the image like rupert's uh tie-dye and all that and then uh yeah there was even a little internet campaign maybe like three years ago where where fans were putting on the t-shirt and sending me the picture and i would do like a big collage of the billy garcia army hashtag bring back billy garcia and, and all that stuff. So, so yeah, there's definitely. And then survivors got into it too. Survivors were wearing the uh, past survivors were wearing the t-shirt, and 
it, it's it's still uh, it's still a thing to this day. Uh, I just I just uh, last year gave Bubba from Vanuatu a T-shirt. He he asked me for one. So uh, yeah, I still I still get you know I, I still get over thanks to that T-shirt. Yeah, if you can get T-shirts for me and Rossi and Ben, <laughs> then you know you can put together a collage of three for the Oz Network. Ben beat you to the punch. He has his, and he sent in his picture already. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Well, what a coincidence we're talking about, Ben, because our last listener question here is from our regular Survivor host, Ben Waterworth. And he's saying, um, did you enjoy the Doctor Who screening that you were going to see the night that you met him for about five minutes? <laughs> I did, I did. It was, it was. Uh, they took an old episode that uh, uh, got, got uh, d- destroyed because it was like 50 years old. Um, and they uh, reconstructed, they still had the audio, and they reconstructed it with animation, and it was very entertaining. It was fun to see something that uh, uh, an episode that hadn't been seen in fifty years. And I really wish we could have hung out longer. And the next time he's in New York City, pizza's on me. <laughs> it wasn't by any chance uh, Power of the Daleks, was it? Yes, it was. Oh, that's crazy! I my birthday was just yesterday, and my wife got me that box set with the animated the 50th anniversary animated box set of power of the daleks well happy birthday Colin. that was a great birthday present she gave you <laughs> yeah <laughs> i started watching it last night i've got a couple more episodes to go that's awesome you next time that uh ben and i are both in new york we'll do a power of the daleks you can finally get ben watching doctor who nice nice also if you both come together you know i'll take care of the pizza Nice. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, this was a great episode to talk about. Like we said, we had the the craziest travel council of all time. And we got to welcome back to the show two old guests who haven't been on here in a long time and two people who always deliver. Uh, Rossi, first I'll just start with you. Thanks for joining us back on the Oz Network. And I think people in the back room probably hear my baby crying. He's been crying for about 20 minutes now. And coincidentally, uh-huh. the last time you were on an episode with me, Rossi, it ended with my baby crying on the air. So I guess <laughs> I don't know. I should if leave. You do this to him? No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's just crying because he wants to talk to you. I'm assuming that's what it is. Uncle Rossi's not talking to me. Why? Why am He'll I? He'll fill not in next podcast. He will. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks for joining us on the Oz. Good to be back. Rossi. And Billy, as always, uh, one of our best guests, one of our most entertaining guests, always providing gold for us. Thanks for joining us on the Oz Network. Oh, thank you for having me. I love it. And, uh, you know, you're going to go viral because uh, there was this news guy that had his kids go into the uh, into his uh, interrupt his news uh, broadcast, and they went viral. So I think it's a, it's a good luck charm for you. Oh, <laughs> I, I won't tell you what my baby did on the last episode, but uh, it may have been a bodily function. <laughs> Let, let's just We can get that one going. Yeah, on. let's just say he hit a hidden immunity rattle where he shouldn't have. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm glad this is audio and not video, because I'm sure it's going to yes. happen at some point during the season. <laughs> All right, so uh, everybody out there, thanks for joining us this week, and Ben should be back next week. I haven't checked with him yet, but we'll have... Uh, more guests on as usual and make sure to subscribe to us on itunes like us on facebook make sure to follow billy's band billy last time you were on the show you think you and your band are recording do you have something coming out soon uh we just had our second album released uh, uh it's called descending souls you can get it on itunes amazon mp3 google play uh cd baby spotify you name it it's out there we got worldwide distribution there you go so once you pick up billy's new cd just subscribe to us because we're on itunes as well nice. 
And uh, we'll talk to you next time on the Oz Network for more Survivor Game Changers. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.